everyone, and welcome to another episode of Callbacks and Paper Jams. My name is Thomas Times, and I am so grateful to be with you all today. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different because it's just me. I'm by myself. I'm here. I'm all alone. Like Donkey and Shrek said, I'm all alone. There's no one here beside me. There's usually no one here beside me because we do it via Zoom, and we can't really be with other people because we're in a pandemic. But you know what? That's okay. Today, we're just going to be focusing on everything 2020. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. And what I really want to focus on today is the positive side of things that happen this year. I know we focus so long on the negative stuff, all the stuff with the pandemic, all the stuff with Trump and everyone in the um all the lives that are lost. And I want to pay homage to that. But I also want to really say focus on the good things happened this year, because as hard as it is, there were good things that came out of this year. And I really want to focus and talk about those today. So I want to talk about some things that I love this year, some things that I saw that were positive. And then we're going to be talking about some things that I want to take into next year. And I first off just want to say thank you all for joining me and on this journey this is this podcast has been probably one of the better things that have happened to me in 2020 i think back to um a message i got from a friend about saying i should start something like this and it kind of just spiraled into what it is now and it's gotten bigger than i ever thought it would i've been able to connect with some friends that i hadn't connected with in a while i've been able to learn things about myself and my artistry and i've been able to I've been really able to work through some things on a personal level and on a creative level that I would never have been able to work through had I not have had this platform and had you all not embraced me the way that you all have. So I just want to thank everybody out there, whether this is your first episode listening or you've listened to all of them or you've only listened to a couple, just thank you all so much. I've really appreciated you sharing and telling people about it. And we've got some other big things coming um, this is not the end. We've got a lot of stuff coming. So definitely keep tuning in and keep listening, keep telling people about it, Put it posting on Instagram, posting on Facebook, and really just helping people hear about the show. Cause I think there's a lot of good stuff that can really help a lot of people. So thank you and keep, keep up the good work out there, folks. When I, when I think about the year that we've had, all I can kind of do is just kind of shake my head because there has just been so much that have happened in between January 1st and where we are now. And it's so funny because if you think about how things started this year, everyone was like, oh, clarity, 2020, perfect vision and all this stuff. And then when everything started happening, everyone was like, well, it ain't ain't really happening the way we thought it would. And I think that's 100% correct. Like if you would have told me we'd be here where we are in January, I would have thought you were crazy. But here we are. And you know what? If you're here, you made it. Everything that could have gone wrong, everything that did go wrong, all the pain, all the hurt, all the stress, it did not break you and you're still here. I think we have to honor the fact that there's so many lives being lost on a daily and it's so easy to think back and be like, oh, this year sucked and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, those things may be true. You're still here. There are so many people who did not get to make it through 2020 because of COVID or other things, but you had that opportunity. So be grateful for that if you're not grateful for anything else. Yes, this year sucked, but you still made it. Yes, this year was hard, but you still made it. Yes, this year is going to leave you with some scars, but you still made it. And just remember that. I think that's the, that's the thing I'm really learning in all this, that 
we can look back at 2020 and say, oh God, it was the worst year ever, but you, but you made it through the worst year ever. So that says something about you. You may not have been exactly where you wanted to be. The things that you wanted to happen may not have happened, but hey, you made it. And at the end of the day, sometimes that's, that's enough that you have to deal with. You have to be able to tell yourself that, yo, you know what? I made it. And I'm going to be able to step into 2021 with a better mindset. And also one thing I want people to realize is that 2021, things aren't just magically going to change. We're not just going to hit January 2021 and things are just going to, COVID's not just going to disappear. People won't just stop dying. Everyone won't just magically be vaccinated. Schools and stuff won't just be able to just open again. Things won't just be able to go back to normal come 2021. But what can change is how we look at things. How are we going to take what we learned in 2020 and make us make ourselves better for 2021? How are we going to do that? How are you going to take these lessons that you learned this year and really help propel yourself into the next year? Another thing that 2020 has taught me is it's really helped me shape why I do what I do. I think for a long time, I didn't, I never really knew why I did it. I just did it. And that was okay for me. But what 2020 did was because I finally had some downtime in life just to be able to really sit back and think because I'm a teacher, as I've mentioned many times on here, and teaching is a difficult job and it's very, very time consuming. It really kind of takes up your everything. And I didn't realize that I didn't really, I had never really gotten a chance to really just be at peace for, for all the time that I was teaching because there was just never really downtime. Because even during the summer, I was always in a show when I wasn't working. And then your summers aren't really long enough. I know everyone thinks you get like three months off. Where I work, we only get six weeks off. So I never really got a chance to really decompress. And it wasn't until all of this happened when I wasn't having to sit in two hours worth of traffic every day, when I wasn't having to wake up at five o'clock every morning, when I wasn't having to go to bed at 10 o'clock because I had to wake up at five o'clock every morning. I really got a chance just to really sit with myself and my thoughts and realize why I do what I do why I'm in education, why I'm a creative, what I want to create for. And I realize that I do things for a bigger purpose that are than just, I like it. It makes me happy. And the thing that I've realized is I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to have an impact that's bigger than me. And I didn't, and I don't really ever feel like I put that into words before in terms of why I'm in education and why I'm, why I create things for my art. And um, it wasn't until 2020 that I realized that. I always liked working with kids and I always liked acting and and, um, writing and directing and stuff, but I didn't really realize why I connected with those. And the realm of teaching is because every day when you step into that class or every day you work with that kid, you are instilling something in them that's going to help them get to their next place. And they're gonna continue and they're gonna do it for the next person. So in that, I am actually I'm, I'm dealing with a system and a um, person that's bigger than me that's going to go on when I'm no longer here. That impact will last longer than me, and that's why I want to be in education. And I take that same idea into why I want to be a creative. Because um, why, not why I want to be a creative, because I was a creative, but why I am a creative. It's because I want to instill in people ideas that they've never seen before that will help push other people to create things that they've never thought they could create before. I want to show people things they've never seen before. I want to create 
characters. I want to create ideas. I want to create stories that people have never seen before that are bigger than me because I know what's in me is bigger than me. The ideas I have are bigger than me. And a lot of it is, and a lot of it on the creative side is that I want to bring representation to stories of the black experience that really don't get to get, that really don't get the chance to get to be told. Because so often I've realized, um, I've realized that the stories of the black experience are so nuanced, you know, excuse me, are not nuanced. They're so limited in what people are shown about the black experience. And yes, there's some beautiful stories out there that go against us, but the norm is that it's very limited. They're down to have stories that are diverse if they're in prisons, if they're having to do with drugs, if they're having to do with trauma, if they're having to do with slavery. They love telling that side of the Black experience. But where's the side of the Black experience that talks about Black people just existing and being normal human beings and just waking up in the morning? That's what I do. And I know all of the Black people, I know that's what they do every day. So I want to tell those types of stories. And that's why I got into creating, because I want to tell stories that people have never seen before. People didn't know existed. Or people didn't, or people know they exist, but they don't want to acknowledge that existence for whatever reason. But I want to flip that narrative and force people to see that. And that goes back to the idea of me wanting to create things that are bigger than me, because that idea is bigger than me. That idea is bigger than that will surpass me. That will one day when I'm gone, that idea hopefully will still be there. That's why I do this. And that's what 2020 has taught me. 2020 really has been my time for finding my purpose in what I do. Because before I can honestly say I was just doing it and I didn't really have a purpose. But now I've got a purpose. Now I've got a drive. Now I've got a desire to really go beyond just doing it. I've got a reason for doing what I'm doing. And now my work and everything I create is so much, is at a different level than it was before. So as you're listening to this, I really wanna push you to what's your purpose? What's your purpose? Why did you survive this? Why did you make it through this? It wasn't for an accident, it didn't just happen. Clearly you are meant to give something to the world. What's your purpose? What is the thing you are meant to give this world? And if you know that, more power to you. I respect that. And if you don't know that, I respect that too. More power to you. But I also wanna push you to figuring out what's your purpose. Cause you didn't just make it through this year for no reason. You made it through this year for a reason. What's that reason? What's your purpose for still being here? What's your purpose for waking up this morning? What's your purpose? I figured out mine. You know, let me not say I figured out mine. I figured out mine for right now because I think your purpose changes and grows as you do. I think your purpose changes in life and sometimes it's okay to, your purpose can develop and that, there's nothing wrong with that. But what's your purpose? What was your purpose for 2020? What did you learn in 2020? What's the thing you want to take out of 2020? That's the thing I really want to have you all thinking about today. So now I'm gonna turn the page a little bit. I'm gonna talk about some things that I really loved in 2020. What are some positive things that I saw on like TV, music, movies? Um, I think the first thing I wanna talk about is um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom just came out on Friday and it is the epitome of black film excellence. As usual, Viola Davis, 
kills it. I've talked about her all the time. She does a phenomenal job in this role. Let me tell you, every look, every step, every glance, every action, the way her, the way she moves her hands, the way she moves her feet, the way she uses her voice, everything is perfect. And you can tell she thought about every single thing. As an actor as a direct and a director, I look at that stuff and I think about, well, did she just do that to do it? Or was there a purpose behind it? And I can tell you when she did this role, there was a purpose behind every single step, every single action she took, every single word she said, every single breath she took had a reason. And I can see those reasons on there. That's how you know she she's not just showing up. And not that anyone ever thought Viola just showed up, but that that's an actress right there. That is a that is a true and honest actress because she became that character in a way I've never seen her before. The thing I like about Viola is she's never afraid to get ugly and she's never afraid to get really dirty and gritty with a role. And she did that with this one. This the and the funny thing is for other people i'd be like this is like their top this is like the best they can do but for viola i'm like you know what she'll pull out something better than this by next year because that's how good she is like even when you get her best you know she's still got more in her to give you for something else so i can't honestly about viola davis like i i can't wait to see what she's gonna do next because if this is what she has right now Imagine what she's going to get when she got when she gets even more experience under her belt because she she was phenomenal y'all she 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 ate it up and left no crumbs as the kids say she ate it and left no crumbs I I see that on Twitter a lot so I'm going to jump on and say that she ate it and left no crumbs and you know who else killed their role in a way I've never seen him before. Um, it's gonna be kind of hard to talk about but I'm going to force myself to get through this Chadwick Boseman I um Ooh, I I have never seen that man do a role like this. I know a lot of people think that Black Panther was the role he was born to play. And yes, I think that's true. But if that's true, he was also born to play this one. He did something in this role that I have personally never witnessed from another actor. I've never seen him embody a character the way I've seen him embody this character he really became that and it really just was transformative it it like he has this monologue in there he he um where he talks about the things that his mother went through and you could just see the pain in his eyes and then to think about everything that he was going through on a personal level and and i have you have to think that when he filmed this he had to have known this might be his last project because he he knew what his body was going through we didn't know no one in the cast knew but he knew what he was going through so he knew that this was it I, I I imagine he knew that this was it for him and he left it all out there for us and that's the thing I really respect about him is because he a lot of people might not have been as strong as he was to do what he did. He knew that he needed to do something for his people. Because if you look at Chadwick's body of work, a lot of the things he did were for the black community. Like when he played Thurgood Marshall, when he played James Brown, when he was T'Challa, he did those for the black community. When he did this movie, this movie was for the black community. He knew what 
he had to do and he did it and he fought through the pain that he was going through and he fought through the pain of his body he thought the he fought through the pain of his mind to do what he felt was his duty to the black community and he did that with excellence with grace just like with viola there was not a move that was accidental everything had purpose everything had meaning and Honestly, he it, it it's not an easy feat to stand up next to Viola Davis and hold your own. And but he does it flawlessly. And he's playing like a 32-year-old, or maybe even like someone that's younger than that. And the homeboy was 43 at the time. That is insane. And he had such a youthful vibe to him that basically took off almost 20 years off of his actual age. That is un heard of he and and then to know that he was dealing with cancer at the same time is wild you and that's the thing you can't look at him and be like wow that guy is sick you 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 couldn't tell that's the thing i really respect about this he fought through all of that to give us that and um i'm so grateful for him because i think we we needed this performance and if you have not seen it this he the things that he talks about in this, the things that his character goes through, the things that his character talks about in this story are really just really just go beyond normal storytelling. And even though the story took place um, almost 80 years ago, 80, 90 years ago, it's still pre- prevalent today. Those same ideas still exist. Those same concepts and ideas are still relevant and there's things that people still need to hear. And he knew that. And he was willing to deal with the pain of his body. Because acting on stage or film is exhausting. When you have to become something for so long, is exhausting. He also was learning to play trumpet, which had to be even more mentally exhausting. Having to teach yourself an instrument you never learned how to play, that's exhausting. Having to show up every day when you're fighting an illness on top of all that is exhausting. He pushed past all those feelings because he knew he was doing something bigger than him, which I have so much respect for him for that. And I cannot honor that man enough. He, yeah. And then talking about this makes me think back to when we all found out he passed away, which I think was probably one of, celebrity deaths are weird for me. Um, And I imagine they might be weird for other people as well because you don't know celebrities personally. I mean, unless you do, but, a lot of us um, don't really know the celebrities, but we have a connection to them. And I think the connection to for the Black community to um, Chadwick Boseman was different because to my earlier point, he represented so many Black icons. And I think the one that he's going to always be remembered for first is T'Challa because what he did in that movie was he brought Wakanda. He was the representation of Wakanda for a lot of us. A lot of us out here who are superhero fans, who have been um, superhero fans for a long time. We love Captain America. We love Iron Man. This doesn't, um, we still love those guys, but seeing someone that looked like us and that was different than them, killing the game and it's like leading Wakandan armies who had the best tech who had the best armies who had the best everything was so cool like I remember the feeling of 
um, seeing Black Panther the first time and being in the theater with those little kids and they're dressed up in their dashiki robes and hats and all that stuff. And they got their kente cloths and some Black people brought, they like turned the movie theaters into cookouts. Like that was such an experience for the Black culture because for once we got, we felt seen by that superhero culture, which had so often been um, exclusive to buff white dudes, which is cool, great. Like I love Thor, I love Captain America, but Wakanda gave us something new and Chadwick was the face of Wakanda. And then when you go into movies like Infinity War and Endgame, when they actually had to go, when the superheroes had to go to Wakanda to get help, that meant something. Cause they were going to the Africa, they were going to Africa to seek refuge and they knew the best place for them to go was that. What Chadwick was the representation of their help. He was a light for so many people and so many kids felt seen for the first time. So many kids were like, oh, I have a superhero that looks like me. Superhero has kinky hair, a superhero who's got naps, a superhero who gets ashy. Like that was important for us to see. And Chadwick was that. And so losing him hit differently for me. It it really did. I don't, I think, I don't think a celebrity death has ever really hit me like that because I think it represented so much more than he was just an actor because Chadwick was the embodiment and the representation of so much more for the black community. Yeah. So that, that was really hard. And I, um, I, I'm so glad that he was able to do this last film that he did um, because this, this was his best performance he's ever done. He, he absolutely destroyed that role. And it's not an easy feat to go up next to Viola and say that you destroyed a role. Cause when usually in a movie with her, I'm all, I'm, I, most people can only talk about what she did. Granted in Fences was different with her and Denzel. And there's always, let me not say that everyone Viola Davis, I think she brings out the best in people, but I think Chadwick, I've never seen an actor rise to the occasion in a movie with her the way that he did in this one. So I think um, I think it's something definite, definitely that needs to be celebrated. And I, and I think he will. So I always want to remember him for that. What other good stuff did I see in 2020? Um, you know what show I actually really liked this year? I actually really enjoyed the show You. I kind of discovered that in January, which seems so long ago, but I discovered it earlier this year. Um, that dude, um, Joe, whatever his name is, he's crazy. But let me tell you, I actually really enjoyed that show. It was, it was, um, it's a very well done show about this dude who basically like stalks women, but it's very well done. And I don't, obviously, I don't agree with that. Um, with people doing that to other people but but the way they the way they manipulate the story it on the surface you think it's going to be very basic and very mundane but it's not it really gets psychological and it's really um cerebral in a way like it really messes with your head it really makes you understand why he's doing what you're doing why he's doing what he's doing and that and i sometimes had to check myself because the show did such a good job that i was starting to agree with him at some points, and I think that's a really interesting way for filmmaking to work when it makes you really side and understand a character that's as sick as Joe is. But the way the show filmed it, the way the show um, was crafted, you started to agree with him at some times and start to understand him in ways that it was really, it really kind of messed with my head a lot. Um, 
so yeah so and let me let me just i don't want people out there thinking i agree with that i don't don't stalk people if people are not interested leave them alone no means no but this show really really messes with your head but in a really cool way and it was really cool um it's a really cool escape so if you need something to like escape all the craziness definitely turn on you it's on netflix very good you know what else was good this year the mandalorian um obviously we all fell in love with baby yoda in 2019 but dave filoni and john favreau really stepped up their game this year and i i'm I'm honestly still blown away i i think this past episode that just came out this week like i'm telling you're gonna hear about it um but that episode the final season finale. I, I have my issues with it for, and we don't have to talk about that. I'll, um, I need another, I needed a whole nother podcast to talk about why I don't agree with all their choices. But let me tell you, it was nice being excited for Star Wars again. And I think The Mandalorian did that for Star Wars fans. Because last year, when I watched The Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker, that was the worst piece of crap Star Wars has ever put out. Um, I don't think it was very well done personally. And I think it was disrespectful to Star Wars fans. And it, this really hurts me because I love Star Wars. I always have. I remember going to Blockbuster or and Hollywood Video because my mom had both. So we basically would go to one. If they didn't have what we wanted, we'd go to the other. But I remember going to either of those stores and renting the VHS copies of, um, of A New Hope. It was just Star Wars at the time when I rented it. Of A New Hope, um, uh, Empire Strikes Back and um, Return of the Jedi. Then I remember going to see The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and um, um, Revenge of the Sith in theaters as a little kid. I remember seeing those. And granted, as a little kid, I actually really enjoyed the prequels. So I actually like what people consider to be Star Wars worst. I actually really enjoy like the sequel, the prequels. But then when I watched the sequels as a as as an adult, I remember going to see The Force Awakens and I was being as excited as it was. And then I remember seeing The Last Jedi and being like, okay, this is different, but okay, it's cool. It had one of the best Star Wars battles where Rey and Kylo were messing up the Petruian, saying that word right, but messing up Snoke's guards in there. Such a dope fight sequence. And then when we got the last, um, The Rise of Skywalker, I was excited because I was like, oh, they're going to bring back Palpatine. This is cool. What are they going to do with this? And then I watched what they gave us, and I was like, that was disrespectful. How in the same year that Marvel gives us Endgame does Disney release the last The Rise of Skywalker? It makes no sense to me. How? Because there has to be executives that get to watch both before they come out and be like, well, look at that Endgame, and then look at that Star Wars. And, and how do you look at those and say they're on the same level? I don't know. I just, I personally felt it was disrespectful. I love Star Wars. I love Disney. It's rare that I don't like something that they put out, but Rise of Skywalker was was disrespectful for me. And I would love to talk to somebody about it more on the Disney side. I hope this doesn't ever get me in trouble. I respect the art that people put into it. I know so much time and effort went into doing that movie. I respect the artists that did it. I respect everything, but I just don't understand how they thought that was a good movie. I don't know. So to get to the Mandalorian and to be excited again about Star Wars was so exciting to go on Twitter and to talk to friends and everything. And everyone was excited about it again was so dope. Like, I think the Mandalorian people were like still hesitant last year in 2019. People were super down for Baby Yoda and everything and everything that him and Mando did. But they really elevated Star Wars storytelling by bringing in 
key characters from the past that we we didn't know what had happened to them like and then doing it well i think is the thing that really gets me like yeah you can bring in whatever character you want but is it done well and i think 90 percent of the time the characters they brought in they had done them well like this is going to be a spoiler alert so if you don't want to listen to this fast forward spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert the mandalorian season two okay i'm gonna say it now the fact that they brought back boba fett and did it the way they did it was so dope. Like for years, for years in the, um, for those of you who don't know about Star Wars lore, um, before Disney acquired Star Wars, there was years, years, almost like 30 years worth of books that really expanded on the Star Wars universe that took place after um, Return of the Jedi. And people just, anybody could write a book about Star Wars. And there were so many books that talked about Boba Fett being alive. Like he has a bunch of series, a bunch of series about him being alive because he escaped from that Sarlacc pit. But when Disney acquired um, Star Wars, they basically said, oh, all that extended universe stuff is not canon anymore. So all that stuff disappeared. So the fact that Dave Filoni and John Favreau basically took a piece of that and were like, yo, we're going to drop it into the Mandalorian so dope and they did it flawlessly like that scene where we um where he um puts on the suit again and basically takes out a whole platoon of stormtroopers and then they escape well a bunch of them escape and then he takes down two of their ships absolutely wild it was bonkers it was brilliant they brought back ahsoka tano who like everyone hated everyone hated back when she first premiered in the original Clone Wars movie, not the original, not Attack of the Clones. I'm talking about the cartoon Clone Wars movie that set up the um, Cartoon Network show. Everyone hated her. Everyone hated her to, through like the first two seasons of that show that was on Cartoon Network. And then all of a sudden she became like a cult favorite of the show. They brought her back and they finally, she finally made her live action debut. Well, I mean, you could count her. She had a voice snippet in, um, the rise of skywalker but that didn't really count but she actually made her live action debut with her two white lightsabers it was sick like it was dope so i mean that so they made star wars exciting again for those of us who've been like star wars is a part of my life like i star wars is what introduced me really to storytelling and fantasy like some people introduced it through like lord of the rings some people got introduced to it through like marvel stuff that came later for me but Star Wars was it for like fantasy and sci-fi storytelling, which, and it really has shaped how I create stories. So Star Wars for me is bigger than just lightsabers. And um, so to be excited again about something that for a while I was so sad about was is really exciting. So yeah, so that was another great thing that happened this year. Star Wars became cool again. Oh, another great thing that happened this year, guys. Trump lost the election. That's dope. I think that is a huge thing. And I apologize if you like Donald Trump. I I don't understand how you can. And I would love to actually, you know what? This is, a, this is gonna be a call to action. If there's somebody out there that actually wants to come on an episode and like talk to me and, and it would just be an honest conversation, would not be a debate, so to say. But I really wanna talk to somebody on here and I really wanna have someone really try to I really want to have a Trump supporter come on and really just talk to me. I would love to really talk to one on this platform because I've talked to them on like Facebook and stuff, but I never really gotten a chance to like actually talk to one in this 
type of setting, I would love to do that with somebody. So this is my call to action. If any of you out there are Trump supporters, um, please, I wouldn't, uh, please email me, tweet me, hit up my DMs, Facebook message me, and I invite you to come on to here and talk to me because I'd love to get into it with somebody. And it would be, it would be, um, it would, it, it'd be a nice conversation, I think. So let's, let's come on down. That's my call to action for you if you're a Trump supporter. But that's besides the point. Trump lost the election. That was probably the most stressed I think I had been in a very long time. I think we all knew going into it that it was not going to be called Tuesday. I figured it was going to be called Wednesday morning. I figured they were just going to know by then. But Wednesday morning, they were calling Wisconsin and Michigan or one of them. I forget exactly what happened now. It's all kind of a blur. But by Wednesday night, I was like, okay, this is going on way too long. And then Trump started tweeting and all his stuff saying, oh, it's rigged, blah, 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 when he realized he was losing. And then um, just the then just the cascade of everything that happened afterwards was absolutely insane. And then like, I think the, the part of the election that I think made me so excited and what really got me pumped was Georgia flipping. And for people out there that do not understand the significance of Georgia flipping, I'm going to, I'm going to break it down for you real quick. Georgia flipping represented so much more than just the state going from red to blue. Georgia is a excellent example of voter suppression. They have done everything in that state to stop the black vote. If you look at the country, the history of voting in our country, voting was originally only given to white dudes who owned land. Anybody else, you couldn't vote. And then as the years went on, it became, it, uh, voting became more option, voting became an option for other groups of people, black men, and then later white women, and then lastly, black women. But the concern was that, yeah, you can vote, but you've got to check off all these lists to be able to do it. So, and that's something that has not really left our country. Yes, it's technically everyone has the right to vote if you're an American citizen and are 18 years old, but a lot of states still have these rules that basically say you have to be able to do this, 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 this. Like um, you have to be able to provide ID, you have to be able to provide ID and just all this list of stuff that makes it harder for people of color to vote. And a lot of places it's been a successful tactic and it's actually worked and has suppressed a lot of the vote. So let's fast forward to 2018. Stacey Abrams was um, running for governor against Brian Kemp, and um, so many votes were suppressed that she actually ended up losing the election, and she was cheated out of the election. And had there not been so much voter suppression, she would most likely be the governor of Georgia right now. But what Stacey Abrams did was, and she talks about this, um, she said she sat in Shiva and that, and um, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this, but so I apologize. But basically Shiva is when um, it's in the Jewish culture, when someone dies and you mourn. And I don't, there's an exact time that goes along with it, I think. And basically what she says is she, she sat in Shiva and then she started plotting, which I was like, oh, she's up to something. So what she did was she didn't, she didn't just wallow in it. She didn't just decide to just sit there and cry about it. Or maybe, or she, you know, maybe she actually most likely did sit there and cry about it, but she didn't let that stop her. She decided to go out there and really engage with the people and really get 
to ensure that that was the last time that happened to groups of people. She went out there to ensure that that was the last time votes and voters were suppressed. And her and so many other organizations like Black Voters Matter with Latasha Brown and so many other countless groups of people and Black women were out there really pushing to ensure that all of Georgia's voters were represented in the election. And they went out there and ensured that people knew what had to be done to ensure that their votes were counted. They educated people. They got so many people, they got so many people registered to vote who didn't, who had never voted before in their lives. They were older. It wasn't just like 18, 19 year olds. There were people that were like 40 and 50 years old who had never registered to vote before because they didn't understand the importance of it. They went out there and educated people. They went out there and ensured that people in Georgia had what they needed to do to be able to vote. And then to see that all their work culminated in Georgia turning blue uh, that Friday morning was so exciting, was such a huge, and all their work culminated in that state turning blue was such an exciting feat. And I was just so proud because it showed the power of the black vote, which for so long this country has tried to stop. For so long, they've tried to stop the power of black people, not just black people, people of color, but in Georgia specifically, it was black. It was the black vote they've tried to suppress for so long. And it showed that when we work together, we can do big things that are bigger than us. And we did just that in Georgia. So um, by the time this um, episode comes out, we'll be towards the end of December. And the way it's looking right now, so many people have actually voted and so many people um, have already voted for their runoff senator elections, which is huge. So many more, so many more um, black people registered for this election, um, for the runoff election. They even were for the um, presidential election. So I, I'm just really excited to see like what we're going to continue to do. And seeing Georgia flip was really the beginning of the change. I think that's going to happen across this country, because what it's showing is we can work against voter suppression. We can work against all of these systems that have done nothing but try to suppress the black voice, the Latino voice, the female voice. Anyone that was not a white man or a white woman in this country, your voice has been suppressed. And there is so many systems in line to stop your voice and your vote is your voice trying to stop that. But what that, but Georgia flipping showed that we can actively go against that and do better. And we can do more and we can push against these systems that have tried to hold us back. So I'm so excited to see what's going to happen in the future with that. That's a big thing, Donald Trump lost. Donald, come January 20th, no matter what he says, no matter what he tweets, he will no longer be president. And you know what, like right now he's talking about, he's in there talking, he's in the White House right now talking with like Michael Flynn about like declaring martial law. I mean, I, he, he could do something crazy, but God willing, January 20th, he will no longer be our commander in chief. And if Twitter holds their word correctly, he will no longer have a Twitter account because they said they're gonna block him. So think the waves are changing. But something I do want to say, though, is just because Donald Trump is no longer going to be president doesn't mean things are going to just change on January 20th. Just like on January 1st, things aren't magically just going to become better because we're all of a sudden in a new year. When January 20th comes, the country's not magically just going to get better because we no longer have a fascist in the White House. 
the thing that Trump did for this country was he, I think of him as kind of like a fertilizer because he is a piece of crap. But on another level, he kind of was, he kind of laid the foundation for these racist seeds to really just take bloom over the past four years. And these people, at least these flowers that have bloomed were always here. They were always under the surface, but Trump's fertilizer, his tweets, his words, his hateful rhetoric really gave those racist flowers life. And the thing is when he goes, his job, he, he already did the damage. He's already planted these trees and these trees and these flowers are really still taking, have taken root and they are starting to bloom others. And they're trying to, they're starting to bloom other trees of racism, other trees of fascism, other trees of bigotry, other trees of all this hateful stuff. And when we get rid of Trump, they're not, those flowers and stuff aren't just going to die. We have to really, th this country needs a, a radical change. And we need to start plucking out those trees of racism. We got to start plucking out those racist ideas. And this country has to be reshaped and revamped from the root if we really want to see change. Getting a Trump, yeah, that's a big step, but we have to do more. What are we going to do to ensure that someone like him does not come back? Because the thing that could happen is Trump's dumb. We all know that, but there could be someone with the same ideas of the, the same mindset as him, but be smart. And that person is coming that we don't know who that person is. There's plenty of options, but that person's coming and Trump's base is going to rally behind that person. That person's going to be even more dangerous than Trump. We have to do what we can do to stop that person from coming. And yes, so January 20th, Trump will no longer be president. But what are we going to do to ensure that someone worse than Trump does not get elected next time? Those are the things that we need to start thinking about. How do we ensure that more people can vote? How do we ensure that people vote in those smaller elections that are just for those state laws? How do we ensure that we put good representation in Congress? How do we ensure that we put good representation in, um, in the House and all those other places of government? How do we ensure that the people that represent us up in Washington represent us and really want what's best for us. How do we do those things? Those are what we, that's, those are the ideas we need to be thinking about now. Yes, Trump's gone, but Trump was just the beginning. And if we do not continue the fight, it's going to get worse, if that's hard to believe, because there's someone out there that's worse than him. I know it's crazy to believe, but he's out there and he's gonna be smarter than Trump. So he's going to be even more of a danger. So we have to do what we can do to ensure that that person, man or woman, does not get in. Because they are going to do more damage than he ever could. So Trump getting out of office, that was a good thing. But what are we going to do next? That's my question for you all. What are we going to do next to ensure that, that the worst does not happen? What are you going to do? Another good thing that happened this year was we have a vaccine. I don't know if a lot of people really understand how crazy this idea is that in the same year that coronavirus really kind of skyrocketed and all these people died and things went and things went bad very quickly, we have a vaccine that is insane. It takes years upon years upon years in normal settings for a vaccine to come to, to for a vaccine to be created. 
But the fact that in the same year a vaccine was created is kind of nuts. And from what we know, it's it's effective. That idea is kind of crazy. And it really is just a huge blessing. And the fact that we have that is something not to be overlooked. And all those scientists and doctors and people that signed up to be um, signed up to do the test studies, those people should really be thanked. So um, this is going to be my thank you. Thank you for all those people out there that have not only been on the front line fighting this deadly disease that we have let seep into our country. Not we, but that has been that has seeped into our country. Thank you for fighting it, but also thank you to the people that were behind the scenes that were really working on a long-term solution. So I really want to thank you all out there for doing that because what you did should not go unnoticed and should not go without um, some sort of praise. So this is me giving you that thank you. But it's interesting because we. Um, yeah, and it's interesting that we were leaving this year with um, with a light at the end of the tunnel, so to say. We're just like, soon things will get better. And I, and I really hope that they do because um, I mentioned this earlier, there's so much hurt with, with COVID-19, um, so much pain going on, and it just needs to stop. And one thing, I talked about this with my mom, people haven't had a chance to mourn. People have not really had a chance to really to really take stock and really understand what's happening. And the sad thing is it's not going to happen until it, until we finally put a pause on everything. And we can't put a pause on everything because things are just happening. So it's going to be interesting that when this is all done, when everyone's vaccinated, when life goes back to quote unquote normal, how we, how do we take that time to really sit with this and really mourn for all those lives. And that number is just going to keep going up. Like right now for just a, in, a, in the United States, it's over 300,000. So I imagine when we finally get this under control, sadly, I, I hope it doesn't get to this, but that might double. But, and if it does, we need time to mourn that. We need time to really sit with that. And I, I don't know if it's a day of remembrance. I don't know if it's a day of, I don't know if we make it a, I don't know if we make it a worldwide holiday, but we need something where we can really sit and just mourn the fact that all of those lives were lost. But I'm grateful for the vaccine because without the vaccine coming this year, that number would be exponentially higher. And because of that vaccine, so many lives are going to be saved. And so many of us are going to be protected in a ways that we have not been protected since 2019 from this thing. So I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And um, yeah, COVID really, really messed up our lives. And I think we all know that, but um, it this whole like having to stay home thing really pushed a lot of us to create and just do things we never had done before. Like had it not have been for COVID, I probably would not have come up with the idea of doing this podcast. Had it not have been for COVID, I probably would not have been able to create some of the things I've created this year that I'm so excited to share with you all next year. Had it not have been for COVID, a lot of us would not have connected with people we had lost contact with. Had it not been for this quarantine, there were so many things that we all were able to do that we've never been able to do before. 
So um, it, it's, it's really an interesting idea, this whole idea of COVID and this whole idea of quarantine. It's really a, um, it's an awful time, but it's also been a time that's really kind of forced us to um, really do things we've never done before. So, um, in, and I keep thinking um, another great thing that I think happened this year was the, um, the we kind of reignited the Black Lives Matter movement because Black Lives Matter movement never really died out, but it really got reignited and became bigger than it ever had before. Um, I think back to June when George Floyd's life was um, so sadly cut short by the actions of um, a handful of officers and what that when that video was circulated around the same time that the Maude Avery Aubrey video was circulated around the same time that that gentleman in um, Central Park, his story was circulated, all that stuff kept happening. And it really ignited the world in realizing that we have to do something. And I remember going on Facebook and seeing people really start to call out other actions. I remember going on Facebook and seeing people get into debates with people and no longer were people going to be silent to hateful rhetoric, which I think is beautiful. We shouldn't be silent to hateful rhetoric. Like you can't, you, you, you have to address it. And not to say you need to cuss everybody out, but sometimes if people are spewing hate, you need to call them out on it. People can't just think that they can just say hateful things and just get away with it. No, we need to call it out. And for so long, people's People, people's hate went unnoticed, but no longer, I, I'm not seeing that anymore. And I think that really happened in May and June when these protests started happening. Um, it was, um, I'm sad that it had to happen, but I'm so grateful that it did happen, that that movement was reignited. I'm not grateful that these people's lives had to be slaughtered. Like, I'm not saying that, but I'm grateful that the movement did get the recognition that it got because it really forced so many other pockets that had, it really forced other pockets of our of our existence to really take knowledge of the situation. Let's look at Hollywood, for example. Hollywood really, um, their hand was forced to really start recognizing what they're doing wrong and start to make active changes to do it. Granted, they still have not done enough and there's still lots more work they can do and should do, but they're at least acknowledging that, hey, yeah, we're messed up. It's like I think back to all those, um, one big thing for me was um, a lot of these animated shows who had black characters, who were, who were, um, who had black characters that were voiced by white actors. They went in there and said, you know what, um, we're going to get rid of these white actors, we're going to actually bring on black actors and actresses to voice these characters. That's huge. Had it not have been for the Black Lives Matter movement, that most likely never would have happened. And I think back to people like Kristen Bell, who voiced a black character on whatever show she was on on Apple TV. She actually personally stepped down, or at least she said she did. And um, and she helped them cast another black actress to fill the role. And, and the actress from um, Umbrella Academy, who plays um, the Whisper, the one with the rumors, she actually got to take that role over. So stuff like that never would have happened had we not have had that huge... Um, that huge Black Lives Matter explosion. Like I think of, um, I think of how many more studios hired diverse writers, how many more television studios hired um, more directors and um, producers and customers of color because that movement, they were forced to have to take a look on the inside, be like, are we representing America the way that we say we do? Had 
that Black Lives Matter explosion not happened, they would have just kept doing what they're doing, but now they knew they couldn't. So they had to make a change. So I think that's really exciting. I, I look at a company like Marvel and Star Wars. They, um, if you look at their slates of stuff, they're, what's, what's coming in the next couple of years is going to be the most diverse slate of stuff we've ever seen from Marvel and from Star Wars. And I mean, granted, they might've had this in the, they might've had this in the, um, in the wheelhouse ready to go before the Black Lives Matter explosion. But I mean, maybe they didn't. So I'm so glad that this happened because maybe we wouldn't be getting the stuff. I think back to a ride at Disneyland like Splash Mountain, who's now getting basically re refaced to be like Princess and the Frog. So that whole idea that a ride that really did celebrate um, Jim Crow, that Jim Crow era that with um, Song of the South, um, because all those characters are in there are from that movie. Um, the fact that it's getting an overlay to celebrate the Disney's first black princess is huge. And to celebrating black culture with um, Creole and Cajun, that whole, not Cajun's not a culture, that's a spice. That whole um, down South New Orleans um, vibe, that whole ride is going to celebrate that. That's huge. Had the Black Lives Matter explosion not happened, that would not be the case. So I'm so grateful that that time happened. And it really forced us all to really think back to what are we doing to make sure we're being inclusive. More needs to happen. More needs to happen to ensure that there is more inclusivity on shows. I think back to it, I think back to shows now, and if they have one black actor, they call it diverse. Like you look at a cast like The Office, they had a handful of people of color um, on the show, yes, and they call it diverse. But how many of those people of color are actually leads? Not many. I think of the show like one of my favorite shows, Parks and Rec. That show was diverse, but how many of those, like, but they only had, by the end, Donna was, kind, Donna was a lead by the last season, and Tom had really kind of been a lead throughout most of it, but that's only one. And then you have Rashida Jones, but um who's mixed but mostly it was a it was a white cast why i want diversity that really flips that why can't we have a show where why can't we have more shows like how to get away with murder with black leads and really diverse things or why can't we just have popular shows on network tv that have all black casts all brown casts all asian casts when are we gonna get to that that's diversity that's what we need so there's, there's more that we need to do. And it's not like those actors aren't out there. It's not like those actors aren't auditioning. We have to get, Hollywood has to give them the opportunities. So there, yes, I'm grateful for what's been done, but more still, there's still more work to do. And um, it's up to us to keep calling it out. And it's also up to us to, when we see pieces that are diverse, like Insecure, when we see pieces that are diverse, like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, when we see pieces of television that are culturally relevant to what we see, we have to, we have to really go out there and support them and really have to show Hollywood that these things are popular. So look at Black Panther. Had Black Panther not have sold the way it did and, did, and, did, and had it not made the financial contribution to Marvel that it did, it would not be getting a sequel probably. But because we showed up and showed out from Black Panther, because people tune in every day, tune in when Insecure shows, 
when people tune in for um, people are tuning in right now for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, they see that these black these black pieces and these diverse and culturally relevant pieces sell and are successful, they're going to create more. So it's up to us to really go out there and say, yo, we love this. We want more of this. So go on Twitter, go on Facebook. They want, they see all these things. So we have to really go out there and do our due diligence and show that these things are important. We want to see them and they sell. That's what we have to show them, sadly, because money talks in Hollywood. So we have to show them that they're getting our money because these shows are financially successful. It is what it is. It sucks, but it's true. Speaking of representation, another thing that I really loved this year was this insurgence of Black business that happened this year. I think um, I think Black businesses are something that's not, they're not new, but I think they've got a, they had a rebirth this year. This was really the year of the Black business. And I think because people started taking notice of the excellence that was coming out of a lot of these black businesses and um, really started to take notice. So um, a lot of you guys may know my mom started a baking um, company and people have really embraced her and it really happened. Uh, it just happened to coincide. It happened to coincide with this boom of black businesses. Um, there's a coffee shop in San Jose called Nirvana Soul. They just opened and they've been booming. And that's another black business. There's so many countless other ones. Like my friend, Mickey, she came on a couple episodes back. Her um, her body conditioner company, was, um, granted she was going before the pand before the Black Lives Matter movement um, surge, but still like she, um, people are really starting to recognize the excellence of these products for once. And it's really important. And people are starting to really promote like, hey, don't buy from Amazon, buy from these black businesses. I remember I was in a book club with a bunch of friends and they um, they wanted to ensure that they bought their books from a um, a black owned bookstore, which I thought was huge. Like they could have easily gone to Amazon and it probably would have gotten there faster had they gone to Amazon. But they said, no, we want to put our money where our mouths are. So they ordered from a black bookstore, which is huge. I think it's little stuff like that. Um, so I recommend if you're out there and you haven't ordered from a black business or something, do it. There's some excellent stuff out there. Um, reach out to me. I can give you some resources. Go to Google and there's like, if you go to Instagram, Google, Facebook, any of them, you search black businesses, there's, they're going to, you're going to find resources upon resources upon resources of outlets where to find them. Yeah, it's really important. They've got bookstores. They, we have bookstores. We've got body care, hair care, um, clothes, just anything, anything you probably want that you want on Amazon. You could also get it from a black, um, you could most likely get it from a black owned um, store as well. It, it may cost a little bit more money, but I feel like they need it more than Amazon does. So we have to do our due diligence to ensure that we're supporting those smaller and right now those smaller black owned businesses because they need the help, especially with COVID. And, and you know what? They don't even need to be black because we just need to do a better job of supporting those small businesses because right now they are struggling. Those restaurants those clothing stores, those body conditioner companies, those hair care companies, they're struggling right now because the government's not giving them the assistance that they need because they're giving it to all the big billionaires. They're getting all the tax cuts and everything. They're getting all the financial assistance they need during COVID. But the small businesses, especially the small black businesses are not getting the support that they need. So it's our job to support them. So if you need something, see if the, see if a black realtor, um, see if a black retail option holds what you need. That's going to be my push for you.
And you know what? The last thing I want to talk about of the good things that happened in 2020 were, um, I think for once in at least my life, and I imagine a lot of people might say in their lifetimes as well, I feel like we all were united around something. We were all united around, we were all connected in a way across the world because we were all going through this one thing, which has never really happened before. If you think of a lot of, um, a lot of tragedies that happen, they're usually like, um, they're usually isolated to one area. So like when there's a, when there were the fires a couple of years ago in California, only if you lived in California did it really affect you. So you could talk to someone in another state, they'd be like, oh, that sucks, but they're not going through that. But with COVID, everyone around the world was understanding it. And because of that, we were all united against COVID. We were all united for survival. We were all united around um, showing love to essential workers, no matter where you are in the world. We were all united around um, wearing masks to keep people safe. Too many people weren't, but still, a lot of us were. So it's just this whole idea that for once, we in the world were united around a cause. And I don't think that's ever happened before, at least in my lifetime. And um, it was really just kind of beautiful to see because we were all connected in a way we've never been connected before. We all, and we got to do things together that we've never gotten to do before. Like, I feel like so many more people were, um, like I think of um, everyone was united around making people laugh. So, so many people go on TikToks and make TikToks make people laugh. People go on Instagram and make people laugh. I think about, um, you saw versus battles that came out of um, people just being home. Um, if you don't know what the versus battles are, they started on this thing on Instagram Live, or um, I forget who did it first, but two musicians would get up there and they would um, go hit for hit. So they would play their best hit versus your best hit. And then Twitter basically would go about and talk about who would win. And then it became these big like productions where like Patti LaBelle and um, Gladys Knight did one. Um, the biggest one, I think was Maya and Brandy, they did one. And then like, I know last night, um, Too Short and E-40 did one. So there's, and it became this really big thing that you really united people and that would not have happened had um, had COVID not happened. I think we were all, we, we, we came together in a way that I'd never really seen before. And the thing that I wanna remember is that we can't forget that and we can't lose that. And I think we need to remain united as a world because when we're together and when we're connected and we're all about the same cause, we get things done. And I think why going back to this idea of the vaccine, the reason why I think we have a vaccine is because it wasn't just America working on it. It was people from all over the world working on it. Imagine what we could do if we, if we as the world really put all our resources together to um, fight racial inequity, because racial inequity is not just something that exists in our country, it exists around the world. If we as a world got together and really tried to fight hunger, if we as the world really got together and tried to fight, um, um, fight from women being abused in other countries, children being abused in other countries, children being abused here, women being abused here. If we as a world got together and tried to really handle those problems, what, 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 where do you think we'd be? I think we'd be in a better place than we are now. So I hope this idea of us working together is something that stays. Because I think together, obviously, I'm going to um, 
quote, an idea that has been beat into all our heads so long, but together we can do more than we can apart. And I think um, COVID-19 and us fighting it has really forced us to do that. And I think we created something beautiful. This idea that we have a vaccine within a year, that's a beautiful idea. And it's not even an idea anymore, that's a beautiful fact. And that would not have happened had we not have been together as the world working on it. So that it makes me so proud and it gives me hope that we can do that for other things. Because in a year or so or two years when COVID is no longer an idea, are we gonna go back to just being out are we going to go back to being enemies of each other? I hope not. Why don't we be enemies of the negative stuff that's affecting all of us in the world? Imagine if we all joined forces against those things. Imagine if we all joined forces against world hunger. Imagine what we could do. Imagine the good we can do in the world, not just for our country, because the world is bigger than the United States. I know in America, we, we often forget that because it's our whole, uh, it's drilled into us that America is the best and all this stuff. Imagine if we work together and really work together with the world in ways. I'm just, it's that, that idea really excites me because we can do so much more together than we can apart. Really excites me. Hopefully we get there. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, but this year has been a lot. And I kind of, um, and, I, and I'm so grateful to still be here. Like, I don't, I don't take that for granted in a way that I did in the past. I'm so grateful just to be here and to be alive and to be breathing and just to be able to talk to you all. Like life is not perfect. Never, it never really will be. But I feel like just being here is such a blessing. And I want you all to really, really recognize that if you haven't, if you haven't yet, just, just, just take a second to just be grateful for the fact that you're still here. So, um, as I wrap this up, as we as we close out this year, that has been kind of a a weird year, and not necessarily the most positive year I imagine a lot of us have had, but there's been some good things, and I hope um, and I hope I had to thank you for sitting here with me and and going through some of the things that I that gave me joy this year, and um, kept me sane during 2020. I want you to take some time to think about what good things happened to you. What were some of the ups for you? So often we focus on the bad things that happen and we give those energy because like right now we have to, but I, I really want to push you to really think about the good things that happened because there were good things that happened for you this year. There were, even if it's one or two things, there were some positives that happened for you this year. Even if it's just, you woke up every day, if that's it, that's a win. Even if it's you, even if it's, even if it's, I had a meal to eat every day. Something as little as that are things that will really help shape your mindset going into 2021 because we can't go into this next year just being grateful that it's not 2020 because we we have to go into 2021 with a new mindset and with a more positive mindset. We have to be focusing on the good that we can help create and the good that we can help shape we have to go into it like that because we can't go into it with the negative. We've got to go into the next year with the positive. So that's what's, um, that's why I'm really trying to remain focused on the positive things that happened this year while still paying reverence to the negative stuff that happened while still paying reverence to the people that have passed and the people who lost this battle to 2020 with COVID and all that stuff, still paying reverence to them, but really trying to remain focused on the positive stuff that came this year. So I really do push you to do the same. 
and really think about the good stuff. Like some other good things I liked. Um, I liked, so there's a lot of good music this year. A lot of good TV shows. I know I didn't name, I know I only named a couple of them, but there's a lot of good stuff out there. So wait, think about those. Like what shows did you like this year? What albums did you like this year? What friends did you get to connect with that you haven't gotten to connect with in a while? Like um, something else that was awesome this year, like the parks, like remember all those TV reunions that were happening via Zoom because everyone was at home. That was cool. Like I remember I was in tears watching the Parks and Rec one. Like we never would have gotten that. Like, and it was a beautiful send off. It was not even a send off. It was a beautiful reunion of character that we'd all known that we never, I never thought I was going to see together again, but we got that. Like what are those little things that happened this year that really, that you're grateful for? Think about those as we go into next year. As we wrap this up, I really want to thank all of you for, I said this in the beginning, but I'm going to say it again because it really means something to me. Um, thank you all for just embracing me and my guests and my ideas and kind of crazy idea I had to start a podcast during a pandemic, which it seemed like everyone did. But thank you all so much for just embracing this idea and just embracing the side of me that I don't really get to show a lot of people. So I really want to thank you all for that. And thank you just for um, your feedback and sharing it and listening in every week and um, telling your friends. And it's just been really, this has been a really exciting time and I'm so excited to continue on this journey with you all. And I've got a lot more people lined up um, for coming in the next year. I've got a lot, we've got a lot more ideas to talk about. I've got a lot more projects to share with you all about. And um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming and I'm so excited to share all that with you all. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for going on this journey with me. We made it, you all. We made it. 2020 tried its best to take us down, but we got here. We're, we're, we're a lot more bruised than we came in. We're a lot more battered than we came in. Some of us are a lot more bitter coming in and that's okay but we made it and you are going to continue being great you're going to continue being excellent you're going to continue doing the best that you can and we are going to make it it's going to be hard but yes we are going to make it through so um that is all i have i will see you all next year have a blessed and wonderful year have a blessed and wonderful day whenever you're listening to this and remember the best is yet to come have a nice day, everybody. Thanks for listening.